and welcome to Rock Pro Screenings, episode 81. I'm your host, Am. With me is my regular co-host, Jackson. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? And my regular co-host, Destiny. What up, what up, what up, what up? <laughs> that's uh, that's the difference. That's British speed versus American speed. Um, oh, you definitely want to be taking that's British actually, speed. <laughs> that's the difference between me and Jackson listen to podcasts at two times speed and our brains are tuned that way. Um, <laughs> I do just I talk always too wonder, fast on podcasts. I always wonder. I feel like people, when it's just you and me, Jax, no one could listen to our podcast at two times speed. I feel like it's probably too much. There are podcasts I listen to where it's too much. And I'm like, I have to turn it down to one, one, seven, one, five. Yeah. Because um, they're also talking too fast. We talk too fast. We, we this is how fast. you get a three hour podcast. We just got to slow the fuck down. We're here to talk about movies today. How I can't do it. Doing? I fucking cannot do it. Are you kidding how? me? Jackson, I... have you? Oh, Destiny, you know what? You, I'm going to do this to you first because I think you have the shortest amount of entries. Destiny, have you watched any movies? I watched a film. Uh, I watched Megan. Oh, do you? You Mithrigan. Mithrigan, uh, which was a blast um i don't really have anything deep to say about it i just feel like you know killer doll territory is a hard thing to pull off in this post child's play world and they pulled it off it was really really fun the kills were really interesting uh there's a lot of like great gags in it and the child actress was really good uh both of them because one of them voices the doll uh yeah no i really it was a ridiculous film and i enjoyed every moment of it uh fair enough i want to see that so i'm hoping it hits a service soon yeah i hope so too you'll like it i think you'll like it anything else destiny that's the only movie i've seen between now and uh last time we talked okay you're wrong but that's okay i'll cover it oh wait what did i watch nope jackson it's your turn (laughs) um well i've I, on Letterboxd, I have 14 movies listed, so I'm not going to talk about all of them. I'm Holy like, shit! Well, you got to at least shout them out. I mean, tell it's, me what you want to talk about, and then do a wrap up, and I'll be like, it's hey, tell absolutely, me about that. It's absolutely less, like, it's less than it sounds because I was, like, watching a movie a day, which meant I would come in at 11 and be like, I'm not watching a movie a day. And then I was like, oh, is it padding to watch short films? And then my friend was no. like, well, then you just watch more short films. And that's yeah, a good we thing. We all should watch like, more short films. <laughs> I wish I was watching more short films. And I was like, that's so true. Um, but uh so yeah so i'm like what is this 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 go show the chalice which i did on a different podcast i watched the only son wait wait where can people find that Uh, you can find that uh tbh uh uh that's the podcast tbh i need to actually find an address yeah i I never remember uh that's our friend lives podcast about anime Ghost of Chalice tbh an anime uh, podcast yes it is just an anime podcast as a subtitle to find yes that is a takahata movie yeah the takahata movie it's okay um Go listen to us talk about that. Listen to that podcast. It's a good one. <laughs> it is a good one. Um, you are right that you just have the uh, most clownish Jackson opinion. Everyone else seemed to have the same opinion, so it's not just you. Uh, but it does. It is like if I was going to make fun of you, I would make that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. What a ringing endorsement of my appearance well, on TV. If, if I was going to make fun of you, I would read your old letterbox reviews out on a podcast. You can, you, you've been so mean to me lately. <laughs> I didn't even realize they were that old because on the main page it just says friend reviews doesn't give you a date um or if there was i wasn't looking i was just i was jackson's decade ago a decade ago i I did not know when i was reading them but also i was a uh, child they're really funny (laughs) you should be you should be amused at your past self for being such a fool think of how far you've come I deleted a lot of my old letterbox reviews, but nothing past like I I deleted all my twenty twelve ones at one point, and then it just took forever. They have to do each of them manually because I had so many embarrassing ones. Um, 
But yeah, so, so I went to watch a bunch of movies. So I watched, uh, one thing I want to shout out is The Only Son, uh, which is an Ozu movie from uh, 1936, his first sound film. It's really fucking good. It's very depressing. Uh, it is about a, um, a son of a woman who works in like, uh, you know, a, a factory, but like a, you know, spinning yarn factory, right? Like a textile mm. mill. Yeah. Um, who is very poor, but has sacrificed everything, working her life away to send uh, her son to school and then to Tokyo and then comes to his house when he's like 27 after this life uh, to see how he lives. And he lives badly because he lives in Tokyo as a public school teacher with his wife and they don't have any money and it sucks. Uh, and she just assumed she was sacrificing her life to like give her son a better future. But now he's in the same boat. He's going to you know work his shitty jobs and his son to on a better future. The cycle continues forever. Uh, it's very good stuff. Um it is uh, a lot of stuff that, like, I've watched a couple now, and, like, obviously, this is, like, such a deeply influential uh, thing, like, you know, Miyazaki's pointing from this in, in a lot of modern Japanese films that are more commonly seen in in, in America. Uh, I know Oz is the source of a lot of, like, that style, so I'm enjoying going back and seeing it for myself. Um, it's, the thing I was talking to you about is it's very good at portraying, like, not rural, but like suburban Japanese towns, which are essentially rural places that have had some huts and train lines dragged through them uh, as like kind of beautiful, but the bleakest shit in the world. Um, like Totoro is doing an Ozu thing, but it's too beautiful. It looks fucking immaculate. It's like the most pastoral, beautiful place in the world. Whereas uh, in like the um, Ozu movies I watched, this one wasn't about like kids, but the other one was. Uh, uh, and that just looks like a wasteland. <laughs> Um, it's much better about like what industrialization is doing to like these pastoral environments uh so yeah really like that um and a few other ones but the one i specifically want to hit because i watched a couple uh i've been working on homie watch list which is the watch list you autumn and eve made for me uh and i just hit random each time uh a couple uh like hong kong action movies have come up uh including executions for shaolin and dragons forever uh i preferred executions from shaolin dragons forever is okay uh, I, I really like it when it's doing action scenes, when it's doing non-action scenes, it's kind of bad. Um, I'm getting the sense that I might just not like Jackie Chan as a persona, uh, even though I- I am also doing- kind of, like, ambivalent about Jackie Chan. The, he, like, he's great in stuff, like, yes. his physical comedy chops cannot be denied, but the character he plays denied. is often, uh, rancid. <laughs> Most, like, smarmy, annoying man who yes. sucks that you just, that the movie thinks you're on his side, and I'm like, I'm not! Yeah. He sucks! Um... The but, way all yeah. of his English movie uh, appearances get around that is that they find some American person to be racist to him, and then he's the same character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then in the middle of that, the other one I watched uh, is um, Steven Spielberg's Duel, which is a fucking masterpiece. Oh, it's so uh, good. Like You're like, Steve, how'd you, how'd you come out the gate like this? What are you doing? My guy. The script is okay. Uh, yeah. The ending's kind of bad, because you can't really end horror movies. No, yeah, I guess it's a horror movie. You can't really end these kind of like conceptual horror movies, which are like thing has become unstoppable and unknowable, but you have to like wrap that up in an ending where it is defeated and known. Yeah. Uh, so like, it's not like the, the, a great movie, and yet, um, it's it's Steven Spielberg fully formed day one. Here he is fucking shooting the movie. It looks incredible. The pacing is like immaculate. The first half of this movie genuinely some of the best stuff it's steve he's here (laughs) i loved it (laughs) i always think of just the shots of the the truck bearing down on the camera like that's the dual shot to me 
uh yeah it's actually i think my favorite scene is actually the one in the uh without the uh uh cars the one in the um the the diner where he's like looking at people's shoes and being mm. like is that the guy is that mm. the guy and he just kind of goes crazy like it's amazing um realizing this was a tv movie was like damn they had different shit on tv i understand that was just because steven spielberg briefly took a stop through tv yes. <laughs> before making the biggest movies in the world um yeah but those are all the big ones i really wanted to shout out uh so give me the full list <sighs> no <laughs> i want to see if there's anything else i want to be like hey tell me about there's that. not there's like there's a bunch of anime shorts oh oh it's anime we don't do anime here exactly so I had a list of movies, but those were the, the non-anime things. I need to go find some um, non-anime shorts. Because if I'm watching shorts, like, quote-unquote, pad out my list, uh, which I purely mean in terms of, like, I want to watch more movies, but I don't have much time, I should watch more short films. That's just a valid thing to do. Yes. Uh, I should go find... I have a lot of anime shorts, like, on my hard drive, like, accessible. I should go find yeah. some other short films as my task to myself as I go yes. forward. That's fair. Uh, all right. Uh, I watched Red Cliff. Yo! fucking cinema the uh 2008 john woo three kingdoms mega blockbuster four hours long uh china wanted a lord of the rings and john woo stepped up kind of film which is literally how it is conceived uh why it was funded and why it is the way it is um which is a basically like a two chapter bit in the middle of three kingdoms about uh, the battle of red cliffs um but blown out into what if the what if like Helm's Deep in the Two Towers was a four hour film about like 30 of the coolest guys in history. Um, it's really, really good <laughs> is the thing. Um, I was I'd held off watching this for ages because uh, it's four hours long. I was like, when I get in a movie mood, I'll uh, maybe I'll do it then. Um, and when one rolled back around, I was like, OK, fine. Time to watch this. Uh, it's great. It's fantastic. Uh, everyone who's like, it's really good is right. Um, I'm, I've heard people, people, when I said I was watching it, people who had not read Three Kingdoms said they watched it and thought it was cool. Um, I feel like you get a lot more out of it if you, if you know Three Kingdoms, but th- that's a big task. So, you know, I wouldn't say you have to watch Three Kingdoms or read Three Kingdoms. It doesn't hurt though. Um, because then the entire time, uh, <laughs> the entire time Kong Ming's gathering arrows, you're just like, this is the coolest shit in the world. Dude, I love this. Um, they made me like Kong Ming, you know? Yeah. It's not, it's not easy. The combined I hate that effort. Motherfucker. The combined effort of uh, John Wu and uh, your boy Kung Ming, uh, yes. winning you around on this guy. Yeah. Um, and it, like all the action's great. Like there's some you know bad CG sometimes, but um, all the fights are just we put a hundred guys in there and they're just fucking running at each other and uh, eat that shit up. This is the thing that I've learned that the high budget Chinese movies like have is a million million extras. The thing you need in large-scale action scenes that they've taken out of Western movies. Yes. Um, I know a lot of them still have the CGI, but the good ones, they'll spend the fucking money on getting the extras. Yeah. There's just... One of the major components of cinema, since it's existed, is the scale of just, we're going to film a bunch of guys running around. <laughs> It's that's not so easy. True. Like that's a whole that's a whole thing. You got there's logistical production effort there that's just impressive on its own. You have to get a ton of guys. You have to organize them with a camera. You have got to feed them for the day because they're all out yeah. shooting in a field, probably. Yes. It's hard. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it's really good. If you want to see a bunch of uh, cool dudes, including Tony Lung, uh, standing around being sad about the war they have to fight, this is the movie for you. 
sake. Yeah. Um, then on New Year's Day, me and Destiny watched Nope. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought we already talked about this on here. <laughs> no, we did not. Oh, yeah. Nope was great. Uh, we recorded New Year's Eve uh, last time. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right. Um, nope is Jordan Peele's new movie uh, about uh, Daniel Kaluuya is a uh, horse wrangler for the, for movies. He lives like just outside of Hollywood, like, you know, up in the hills where nothing is. Um, and he his dad uh, used to be a horse guy for the cinema and his dad died inexplicably and he took over. Um, but it's modern era, so nobody gives a sh- No one wants to rent a fucking horse to make a movie. They'll just make CG horses. Um, so he's, like, trying to slowly keep it all, keep the farm together and the horses together, slowly selling off horses to this, like, cow, like, this sci-fi cowboy ranch down the, down the road, uh, run by this guy who was, like, on a 90s sitcom that was canceled after the chimpanzee that was, like, their, like, star character, uh, went crazy and attacked a lady, because they're chimpanzees. Um, so he's just like this failed child actor who decided to make this dude ranch, like tourist trap. Um, and he's buying the horses or whatever. Um, and as he's navigating that and his sister's badgering him about selling off their inheritance, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he sees what might be a flying saucer in the sky. Um, and it's a monster, you know, it's like a monster sci-fi alien production movie. It's really good. Um, in that it is about uh, and is the kind of movie they don't make anymore. <laughs> yes. Um, and then it's it, like, it's explicitly like there's a bit where he, they like, like he puts on like a Scorpion King, like hoodie that is his dad got when he was on set on the Scorpion King, making the Scorpion King. Like just the idea that like cinema has moved on from a certain grade of like, not great, but like important film that would like hire people who had horses. When you had a movie with a hundred guys running around, sometimes those guys yes. are on horseback. Like, it's just it's just a tribute to like the the history of a blockbuster cinema that is gone. Um, a spectacle, yeah, uh, and it's really good at that. It's not really a horror movie in the way that his first two movies are. I, there's like stuff that's like a little creepy and like uh, oh sometimes sometimes you know being abducted by aliens I guess is a thing that some people are afraid of. You know, um, I get it. There's like some you know murder happening, not like too explicit, but um, I guess it's of a genre type. But I think this movie's fucking fantastic. And I yeah, would recommend it to anybody. It's very, very funny. Yeah. Um, Kiki Palmer is so good in it. Uh, everyone's good in it. Like, yeah. but she stands out. Um, I just liked seeing black people in cinematic configurations you don't usually see them in in mainstream mm. films. Like, you've got a lesbian character. You've got black people on horses. It's great. Um, <laughs> it really made me happy. Yeah. It's really good. Um, Jackson, you could even watch this one. You should. You should. I think yeah, you'd I might like give it. it a go. Yeah. Um, it's a good one. There's like a goofy, there's like a tense bit early on that is like the scariest it gets. And it's not even, I don't think, I think you'd be fine. So. Okay. It's got um, a really fun ensemble. Like the way the ensemble's put together is really fun. Yeah. You've made me watch worse. Yeah. That's true. Have. Um. Me and Jackson watch Treasure Planet for Blockbusters. You can check that out on normalmapping.com slash... Oh, no. Patreon.com slash normalmapping. Patreon.com. Yes. Yeah, if you want to hear people uh, not $5. talk about the movie Treasure Planet, you should listen yeah, to that. Yeah. Uh, Treasure Planet was fine. We don't have that much to talk about. We mostly talk about <laughs> letterbox lists and bullshit. <laughs> um, we also continue to talk about letterbox lists on uh, 
VoIP life would you get? <laughs> we really did. We just spread that out across the Man, what are we doing? Uh, but if you like us bullshitting about cinema stuff, uh, you're in luck because it's been mostly gaming for the last f- 10 years of abnormal mapping. <laughs> yeah. Um, but th- that exists. Uh, then I watched Bullet Ballet uh, by Shinya Tsukamoto, who made um, Tetsuo the Iron Man, um, which is a 1998 movie about this guy um, whose girlfriend commits suicide with a gun. And so he's and he's like, how'd she even get a gun? It's like, oh, she knew someone who was like maybe like a gangster or whatever. Uh, and he just is like really freaked out at the idea that she shot herself with a gun. He's like, I didn't even know her. Like she had a gun um, and becomes obsessed with the idea of like acquiring the gun that she had and shot herself with. Uh, in Japan, this is non-trivial. He like tries to buy one on the black market. A guy sells him like a squirt gun. He decides he's going to like build his own gun, but he has to learn how to build a gun. And meanwhile, this like dipping his toe into the underworld to try to find a gun or build a gun brings him up against like these like just these gang this gang that like tries to shake him down for money when he's like out too late at night in the wrong part of town and uh then he comes back and he's like i I built the gun i'm gonna i'm gonna fucking shoot them um and the girl in this gang thinks that him having a gun is really hot uh because she's got her own death drive or whatever and they end up in this weird kind of relationship uh and he gets pulled into the fight they're having with a rival gang it's really good it's just about how guns drive people crazy um but it's Tsukamoto so it's done through like incredible montage and just like a loud score and it's all black and white and it's fucking sick as hell can't recommend it enough and if you're like I've never seen Tets of the Iron Man because it's too goopy, uh, like Jackson. It is. Um, you, should, you should check this one out because this one's like, I, I don't like it as much, but it doesn't have any of the, a guy sticks a drill in his leg in the first oh, five minutes. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're in America, I'm pretty sure, I was going to say it was on Arrow, but that might not be true. I have the box set, so I was watching out of the box set. Um, but it might be on Arrow. Um, I did not check that. And then I watched McCabe and Mrs. Miller, the Altman film, um, which uh, I didn't know anything about. I just kind of hit it because Criterion has a winter westerns like thing. And this was the one on there that I've always been meaning to. I'm just underwatching Altman. I was like, I need to watch this. Uh, So I put it on. It's about Warren Beatty comes into this shitty mining. It's not even a town. It's like a camp that wants to be a town. Um, And he sets up a brothel. And by that, I mean, he like hires like three. He goes and buys three women from a brothel, like down the down the train line and brings them and puts them up in tents. So the miners can, you know, uh, go to the women uh, for sex. And he starts to make money. And then he's like, I'm going to build a brothel. And then Julie Christie shows up and she's like, I'm from the real city. I know how to run one of these houses. Split the money with me and I will set you up with like a real ass place that is classy. Um, and proceeds to like work on doing that uh, as they argue because Warren Beatty is a loser and a drunk uh, who talks a big game and might be running away from a shady past. And she's like, she genuinely just wants to make a big house that gets everybody paid. Uh, she's a hero. Um, and it, that spirals out of control as things do in movies. Uh, it's really good. <laughs> it's like really slow. Everything looks so cold because um, it's all just, it is just like the middle, they're on the side of a mountain and it's just snowy and everyone's in big coats. Um, and it's mostly about how hard it is to like build something in the middle of fucking nowhere. Um, it's good. I want to watch that. I, yeah. uh, I can't get over how big and fluffy his coat looks in that opening yes. <laughs> horseback sequence. Yeah. Opening credits. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's it for me. So 
we can get into it. Uh, our movie club this week is You've Got Mail, the Nora Ephron directed and Nora and Delia Ephron written uh, remake of Shop Around the Corner, the 1940 film, uh, starring Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. This came out in 1998. Jackson, what happens in this movie? Oh, okay. There's weirdly a lot going on. <laughs> uh, so, um, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks are characters that I don't remember their names. Because they're Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. <laughs> it's Kathleen Kelly and Joe Fox. Excuse you. I knew their names. <laughs> F-O-X. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Um, <laughs> so uh, Tom Hanks is the um, like executive or junior executive, I guess. His dad's the owner. Yeah, he's of, the third generation of an evil corporation. <laughs> yes. Evil corporation of Fox Bookstores. Uh, who are the large bookstores with a coffee shop inside that are taking over the world. And it's 1998, and no one's heard the rumblings of Amazon coming around the corner to kill both of these people in the head! Bar- Barnes & Noble's <laughs> still around, actually. It's sad in there, but it's still around. Um, yeah, but this movie thinks of, like, the, the like villain and the emblematic thing of the capitalism coming to crush everyone is bookstores. <laughs> It was. It was. I would live through this. Like all the all the cool bookstores went away because the fucking Barnes and Noble exists. And, and I was the generation where people were like, "Oh, remember the cool bookstores like Borders?" Yeah, <laughs> Barnes and Noble. Like Fox Books is a Barnes and Noble. Like that is the, yes. the iconography and the interior just looks like a Barnes and Noble. Okay, I've I've never been inside of Barnes and Noble. Does didn't make its way over here. We got Waterstones. We had Borders for a while. That went. That died. Yeah, Barnes and Noble never made the uh, never made the crossing. But yes, I understand the idea. Anyway. Um, that's him. Uh, Meg Ryan, Catherine Kelly is the uh, second generation owner of Shop. Is it, is it Shop Around the Corner? Yes. Yes, it is actually called Shop Around the Corner. Yes. Uh, the uh, bookstore that she owns, which is a like, local New York children's bookstore, uh, which she's going to get by by um, knowing things about children's books and having the good recommendations and a quirky cast of people who work in the shop. Uh, and the Fox Books is opening around the corner. And that sets the stage for the like main conflict of one side of the movie. On the other side of the movie, uh, both of these people met unbeknownst to them in a chat room and are now like emailing each other back and forth uh, on AOL. They're like s- struggles in life uh, as they try to f- figure out like how to, you know, just how to exist in this situation, and unknowingly like anonymously emailing each other for advice and Tom Hanks will often like give some advice, you know, to tell her to stand up to this person who's causing a trouble. And then she goes to actual Tom Hanks and calls him an asshole. Uh, this procedure about half of the movie. Um, so uh, while uh, this like business thing is going on and the inevitable crushing of the shop around the corner by Fox books occurs, uh, they go back and forth having uh, like some, some tension, uh, they're both in bad relationships of their own that they kind of hate uh and eventually like two-thirds of the way through the movie get themselves out of those relationships as this um fox books does just win it does just close the bookstore i was like worried that the movie was gonna be like and here's how we're gonna save the bookstore but no that doesn't happen the bookstore's dead (laughs) um like two-thirds of the way through the film uh eventually tom hanks realizes who meg ryan actually is he realizes that meg ryan uh, kathleen kelly the person he's having this weird like back and forth with is the woman who he's been emailing and kind of fallen in love with uh and 
after coming to grips with this and making peace with it, uh, decides to lightly psychologically torture her for a while, as he knows, but she doesn't. <laughs> and he kind of in and the last act of this movie is him engineering awkward situations where like she has to keep asking him for advice about how to treat him who's being a dick. Uh in order to set up the ending where they finally agree to meet again and uh it's him it's tom hanks it's tom hanks the whole time um and that's that's basically the broad part of the movie they kiss it's a romantic comedy yeah that dog sent an email i when he comes in at the end i i promise you based on the event that happened my reaction would have been tom hanks hacked that guy's email Because he has that whole bit where he's like, "What's what's his screen name? What's tell me tell me exactly his user details." That's true. I would have thought the same thing. <laughs> uh, no one was thinking been... about hacking email in 1998. Let me tell you what. Clearly not. Um, but yeah, uh, I I'm, I mostly like this movie. It, it's weird, but I did have a good time. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies. Watched it a bunch as a kid. It was on TV a lot. It's one of those where. The cable classic, seen the back half a ton, seen the first half very few times. It was nice to just watch the whole thing, which I've done before, but it's been a very, very long time since I've watched this movie at all. Um, I still really love it. I think it's great. <laughs> I thought it was really good. Like, the dialogue is really, 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 like, sharp and funny. And uh, it's not, like, hilarious, but it's very cute. Yeah, it's, and, it's very um, old-fashioned about the way it is people quipping at each other, right? Yes, it reminded me of something much older, um, but in the best way possible. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it, like, way more than I expected to. And I used to be a huge Meg Ryan hater when I was a younger woman, uh, just because I thought she always picked bad movies, but this is not one of them. What are the bad <laughs> movies Meg Ryan's picking? I don't know. I just I can't think of any off the top of my head right now. But I just Destiny remember just repeating on Meg things Ryan. you heard in the world in the nineties. I feel I like guess. I just knowing what I know about late nineties Destiny, you've got mail is one of them. I'm sorry, you did. You in high school did not like you've got mail or no, the, no, the idea I, of you've got mail. It's true. I did not give a shit about straight romantic comedies. I still kind of don't, but <laughs> like you know, I have a handful I like. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite mode of romantic comedy, um, just my favorite mode of people in the world is just two people who kind of enjoy the ways in which their like worst qualities interact with each other. Um, and I think, I think, and I also think Tom Hanks playing kind of a jerk is just one of cinema's treasures. Um, and I get both in this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, That's I like, I like that that kind of too old. It's great. Like Tom Hanks is is already like it's it's ninety eight. He's already losing his hair. Yes, uh, it's it's good. It makes the vibes better. As the, yeah, I mean, Sleepless like, Seattle is the like the version of this. It's not everyone kind of slightly too old to be living like yes. this anymore, right? You can watch that in our effort made. It's basically the same people. Um, she didn't write the script, but it's her directing. It's them leading. It's a beloved romantic comedy. Um, and in this one, it's like you know people who just this has like. This has the Woody Allen thing, right? Where it's just a bunch of New Yorkers who kind of suck and just like lived their sad little lives for a while and um, find it untenable. They've just inertia been in these awful relationships too long. Um, like uh, like Kathleen's married to, or not married. She is uh, live has a live in boyfriend sometimes. This awful, awful man <laughs> um, who is uh, Greg Kinnear playing this like uh, New York Observer writer who's like just like a extreme liberal like 
Luddite who is always writing about the nobility of typewriters and shit, right? Yeah, he is like such a ridiculous 90s pastiche of what they're like. Yes. Oh, this is the person who still cares about politics. And we'll like draw lines about him being like an annoying, like actual Marxist, but also like a weird, annoying, like fake liberal working for the Observer. I'm like, what? What are your politics, movie? This is the 90s. They don't exist anymore. <laughs> no, no, this is an end of history film. You can't, you can't. Extremely. Too much about it. And uh, then Tom Hanks, uh, like Joe Fox's girlfriend, is Parker Posey playing the 90s Parker Posey role, yes! which is uh, a neurotic fuck up, rich neurotic fuck up. <laughs> yes. Love just Parker evil. Posey. Yes, she's so <laughs> ridiculous in this. Oh, yes. We need to watch Party Girl. I haven't seen it. Um, And uh, there's a bit where you almost think, like, the movie's going to go where, because, like, uh, his, his girlfriend and her boyfriend meet, and they like each other way more than they like their partners. You're like, oh, they're just going to, like, partner swap, and that's going to be the solution. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> but it's yeah. really funny. There's a great scene in the party where, like, <laughs> the joe and kathleen don't like each other they know each who each other are and they're both like really like aggro at each other um but then they both are really amused that their partners who they hate get along really well but in a way we're like they keep making eyes at each other like oh look how pathetic your partner is and then the other one says something and makes the other one look bad and then, then turns it around and gives another look like oh look how bad your partner is <laughs> it's really funny uh two people who just find joy in each other's worst qualities that's it that's that's fucking romance to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, on some level, like, the, the, that entire plot of the movie is the uh, like, class divides and material conflicts can be overcome by just hating your, like, not your partner enough. Like, you know, like it's not like a, a bad wife movie, but it's like the inertia relationships that you fell into. And being annoyed by those people enough can, like, shake you into a place where you're like, fuck them, I'm cooking up with Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, like, it's weird, right? Because, like, the movie pitches this as a class conflict movie, but... It's not. They go to the same parties. It both. It both is. It is. It's weird because, like, it is in like a in like a just pure number sense. Tom Hanks is an actual rich guy, and Nick Ryan is like New York, like middle class, which is wealthy compared to everyone else in the world. Um, But also, right? She like has a huge apartment, and even though her business goes under, she's got some money saved away and is able to just kind of like take the next few months and figure out what she's doing with her life. Right? She's like. A, not a celebrity but she's like a literary known figure right she has a yes. reputation she has the shop because she is known as like a children's literature expert um tom hanks is like corporation wants to hire her like like we got the store out of business because that's how like stores work but she is as a name matters right which is not yes. true for all the people who work at her store who fall out of the fucking movie after going what am i gonna do when this store closes i mean george goes and works for fox, works for fox books right like yes they specifically say he's running the children's section the job that like he almost pity gave to her, right? Yes. Um, and uh, Birdie's rich. She doesn't have to work. She's just going to retire in her enormous... She's in the With Nail and I, like, uh, uncle room. Yes. <laughs> As she's serving the Maltese. Um, the only other thing is um, the uh, young girl who works with them. She's the one who really falls out of the film. Yeah, yeah she's, she's the one who's... Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. the one who's most complaining about uh, what happens if I lose this job. Yeah. And uh, fuck um, her, I guess. And... <laughs> yes. Um, it's funny because, like, the Fox Books group is just, like, his, uh, Tom Hanks' dad and this is Dabney Coleman um, playing an even more fuck-up version of the same character, basically. And he's fallen out of, like, a 40s movie. 
like he's like he's like a 40s business magnate and his is uh his his father who's also there is also an even more mustache rolling cartoon business magnate guy <laughs> uh it's ridiculous yes <laughs> um and so like that stuff is very like i mean this is a mo- this even in the 90s this is a movie for old people right <laughs> Well, yeah, it's like, like a movie about 40-year-olds having, like, a weird rom-com, but, like, they, they kiss one time, maybe? You yeah. know, there's no, like, this is not a sexy movie, right? No, it's, <laughs> like, it's like, a, it's a, it's about neurotic New York liberals, right? Yes. kind of hate each other and don't know what to do with their lives and sit around in bookstores reading books and talking about ideas and moping, right? This was number one in the in the country. This was the box office smash hit. Yes. Yeah, it was yeah. like... When it came out, and you see, like, I was looking up, like, articles from around the time, right, you know, early internet and slightly later, uh, like, this was emblematic of empty, mass Hollywood shit. And you look at it now, you're like, this is, the what the idea of, like, a four-quadrant movie is, has crushed this as being, like, mass culture, right? Like, this is so yeah. specific. Yeah, it doesn't feel like this movie would be a hit if it came out today, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you just get two huge actors and a bunch of good character actors, and they just kind of walk around three locations in New York. Like, it's all shot in New York, which you'd never do today. <laughs> uh, which I do think adds a lot. Like, there's just a lot of great... Um, like, the montage every morning of all the, like, signs going... Like, the gates going up and all the stores and all the signs and stuff. Like, the part where these this is about people who live in this city... And how small that is, is like just a quaint part of cinema, of New York cinema specifically, but just cinema in general that's kind of fallen out of film because no one shoots on location too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all that sounds really great. <laughs> uh, also, yeah. also inexplicably, J- Dave Chappelle is there uh, because at some point someone gave them note that was like, you need actual jokes in this. Like, this is a movie about people being wry at each other and wry isn't funny. So put a guy in there who tells jokes. And they do the very 90s thing of getting a comedian to kind of do like a watered down version of their stand up set in the movie. Yes. Like he mentions things that only come out of a Dave Chappelle stand up set, like uh, crack houses. And yes. what was the other thing? I don't even remember. Oh, OK. Because like I pointed out there was like a scene where he yeah. said something really Dave Chappelle. And I was like, uh-huh. did he like improvise that? I wonder. Yeah. And that stuff feels very like hokey and unnecessary. I do like the bit where they he just kind of like gives tom hanks very shallow but like normal advice as tom hanks has worked himself into the world's most convoluted situation that only happens in cinema yes he's like just just dump her what are you doing like why are you doing all this um my the, the Chappelle line that stuck with me inexplicably some of his you know lines stick with you is um when he's they're, they're in the gym and he's he's watching a news interview where the news just clipped him saying i sell cheap books so sue me and he's like i said a lot of things i said we were like you know you could sit down you could have a drink you could read your coffee we got 100 150,000 titles so we've got a whole new york section uh, i said we were a piazza and dave Schmoll's like a piazza he's like i was eloquent um i think that's like one of the best like outright jokes in the movie um it's very funny to me my favorite part of that is he's like i was eloquent shit <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, I love Tom Hanks as a jerk. It's so good. It's the same thing. I uh, like to me. It's like this is the thing. Like the Jimmy Stewart thing. I like it when he's playing like a little acerbic, a little like unlikable. Um, I find it so much more charming than like his like aw shucks persona. Right? Yeah. 
Oh god, he'd be terrible as an Oshucks guy in this movie. I mean, I, I mean, Tom Hanks has played a lot of Oshucks guys, right? Like, I know, someday, I know. someday we'll pull the trigger on the Forrest Gump blockbusters and have a really oh, fucking bad look, time. Look, gross, <laughs> look, no, thank you. <laughs> I think Tom Hanks knows that he's at his best when he's kind of being a jerk. He seems like a nice guy in like real life, but like all his best roles are when he's kind of a jerk. Uh, yeah, he he's just got to be charming that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I like that um, Kathleen Kelly, Meg Ryan also fucking sucks. Uh, it'd be very easy, in, you know, it'd be very easy to play this in a um, you know, sad, nice uh, bookstore owner crushed by um, the the Fox Books evil Barnes Noble, um, and you could like play up that that element in the movie. But instead, she's just like equally annoying. <laughs> she's like uh, she's like she's like very nice but in a way like she's good with kids she loves her job but like she kind of just hates everyone she's around as an adult (laughs) yeah and she's selfish and she's very petty and there's an incredible scene one of their like first uh other than the part of the thing one of the like first like meet cute bits which is where meg ryan's stood in the uh the wrong line uh in the cash only line uh at the the supermarket uh and is like well, I, I didn't know, and you've got a machine right there. Can you just run it for me? Can you just, you know, I'm not going to queue again. And the, uh, you know, person at the counter is like, well, no, you've got to go take a different line. Everyone's mad at her. Tom Hanks shows up, and you think, oh, he's going to pay for her because he's a millionaire and solve the situation. But no, instead he just joins in on her being like, fuck you. Well, he you know? offers to pay for her, and she's immediately extremely offended, <laughs> yes. which, fair enough, I would be too. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, which, yes, absolutely. Uh, but... Instead of just going, well, okay, well, whatever, he just joins in on being rude to this clerk about the, you know, the visa machine well, he turned, right he there. Turns on, he turns on the extreme charm and it shows that he's a guy who just, like, fundamentally can talk people into anything. I, I guess in the movie's language is him turning on the charm. It plays as, like, both of them are fucking petty, annoying assholes to me. No, no, he's turning on the charm. No, like, that's, that's the big thing that, in the elevator. Yeah. Like, where where Parker Posey's like shrieking at the elevator guy to get them out of the elevator. He's just like, call me, like, call, like, what's your name? Oh, that, okay. Well, he calls him by his name. Could you call the super and call 911? Like, he's just a guy who is calm in a situation like this and polite enough to get stuff done. Uh, this, 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 this seems like that's how the elevator scene was to be, but this was like, he's also going to be annoying to this clerk when instead of just like queuing again. It works, with, um, it works on her though. Like, this yeah, is, this is, he's a super charm. charmed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, she smiles and she does it. Uh, I I read this as being just as much of an asshole move as all the other stuff. Tom no, I, this movie. is just him. He knows how to butter people up, and she does not. She is like she's like a nice lady, it but like to kids and adult. Like New Yorkers don't give a shit about that. Yeah. <laughs> also, the most annoying man is behind her, being extremely annoying at all times. He's the New York plays itself guy. You know, he's, uh, he's yeah, the, you mess like, with homosexual version. Yeah. Um. Uh, which is very a very '90s character to exist. Mm-hmm. Just abrasive gay New Yorker berating <laughs> Meg Ryan. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I think this movie's super pleasant. I do love. Um, sometimes you just gotta let the class stuff be. Whatever. I would love to be swept off my feet by a brilliant and acerbic millionaire. It sounds great. It was I, fixed all of my problems. If any of the I, Tom Hanks of the world would like to date, hit me up at I, em underscore being on Twitter. <laughs> I'm very much of the Greg Kinnear thing where I'm like, I couldn't date somebody with my opposite politics. I, he would be too gross to me. Even like after the email exchanges, I'd be like, well, we could be friends. The thing is, but- the thing is this is like, 
it, he's full of shit because he, he 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 dates that awful like at the end he's end up with that awful conservative talk show oh, lady i know i'm just saying like he is full of shit because like, his, his way of saying that is in the like smug woody allen like he's the woody allen guy right like oh yeah he's the character who exists to like espouse a bunch of like you know intelligentsia politics but he doesn't he's just annoying that's his but, also, he's just fucking but also, he is like a straw man to say that, like, the char- the person in the world who would have standards must be a hypocrite, so you shouldn't have standards. Like, yeah, <laughs> the yeah, reason they put that bit. in his mouth and make him wrong is like, I mean, you you made the movie. You invented a, I mean, the one the, guy who I cared mean, about politics. The answer is that everyone in the social circle does not have standards. That's the, yes. that's the truth, right? Like, but I don't think this is, like, intentionally um, a movie about, like, critiquing, you know, the liberal social circles of New York. No, no, no. Uh, but he is like uh, in, in emblematic of that thing, right? And, and so I'm, is and so is uh, Parker Posey. Yeah, and then you go, you've got Birdie who fell in love with Franco. <laughs> that's <part's> really good. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah, the bit uh, where they're going in the movies and he, like um and uh, Greg Kinnear's like, no, no, she she probably fell in love with Franco. It's funny. um, was it her? Was it was it Kathleen who says that? Or was it him who doesn't buy it? One of those. Uh, I believe it's him, and then Kathleen's like, "No, no, yeah, okay, yes, you're right. That makes more sense to me." Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's the one. He's like incensed, and she's like, she, she's not like fucking fascists out here." It was the <laughs> '60s. People fall in love. It was Spain. He's like fascist dictator. We <laughs> 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 don't care. Uh, that whole sequence is my favorite in the movie because it ends in like them going like she just storms out the movie that they don't really want to watch anyway, <laughs> um, and then. Uh, they go to like a restaurant and they both confess they don't love each other and then the relief on both of them is so huge because they're like waiting for this conflict to go bad but it ends up just being the sweetest scene in the movie it's like oh thank god we don't have to do this shit anymore <laughs> uh, it's like a vision especially because like with that that character such a cartoon that's set up to be like the person that says all the shitty things like he just yeah. sucks but uh, not in like a, not in like a way that's like actionable right he's just like an annoying boyfriend type yeah uh, but that scene is like a, a vision of a much more like down to earth version of this movie of like navigating like it's one of the few scenes which really about navigating the like complicated feelings of being in relationships that kind of suck but you don't hate the person you're just in the relationship that's weird yes uh, and the relief when you no longer feel like obligated to each other uh, and can move on with your lives it's really it's mm. a really good scene. Mm. Um. The other thing is this movie is about a type of internet use that just barely exists anymore. Yeah, Did it ever? The yes, shame absolutely. around online absolutely. meeting someone online and the shame around like talking to someone over the internet like just doesn't exist Also anymore. specifically the sense of like we're both kind of like we don't really go here and we're going to like not tell each other about what we do or anything like it's really important to us that we don't talk about that is like still around but the way it's framed is so particular to its time, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, there's like a, you know, they both get online when their partners leave in the morning. Um, cause it's, it's, it's weird to, to check your email every day. <laughs> yeah. Like they're like, Oh, we have to sneak around. And it's like, <laughs> this is not the way it works anymore. Uh, I want to know how early Meg Ryan was to AOL that she got shop girl. What's shop girl? <laughs> her username. Her username. Oh, right. That is just her username. <laughs> yes. That's. <laughs> Man, early adopter, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> like NY152, I could see, you know, whatever. Um, but one of the best, like, just like running, like, 
not like huge jokes, but I love when Tom Hanks is running down all the things the 152 could stand for. I think it's very cute. And like a montage of them shopping at an open air market. Yeah, I like that too. It reminds me of like something I could see, um, not Clark Gable. Uh, what's his face doing? Um, Why can't a, I think? Oh, go on. There's a bit where he's like 152 felony convictions. He's like 152 insights into my soul. And he just scoffs in such a real way. <laughs> and her being so corny. <laughs> um, it's very good to me. Uh, yes. Um, but it's very it, like, um, like there's a bit where he like he, he he decides to like he guesses she's online and ams her and she's like oh she like gasps the idea like you could just make this instantaneous like the thresholds that can be crossed in communication um it's just very cute and of its time um to me because like I lived through all of this <laughs> yes um but it's weird because like they met in a chat room they've talked instantaneously so the part where they're like then went to email and then like oh, this is a new boundary to cross to im each it's not that it's it's not that uh he am sorry that he knows she's home well but it's also like they've never the the implication is they've never im'd each other outside of that chat the original chat room meeting they exchange email addresses and then that's it yeah but it's not the fact that like she's not surprised that i am exists. she's surprised that she no she's knew. surprised that i am like the whole thing is like a it's an yeah. intimacy that is different than the email thing because the email thing allows them a distance where they can like yes, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sending I'm not correspondence i don't disagree with you but i'm saying it's not the fact like she knows what i am is she's surprised that he oh, knows know. out of the blue to check like to like she's not like appearing online he knows she's home because he's familiar with her routine <laughs> but also it is a boundary crossed i think yes. it's both I mean, it is a boundary because I'm just saying like this. It's not a technological thing where she's like, no, no, well, no, no he can like, IM me. Them being people who are happy with emailing is the old fashioned thing, right? It's yes. even in even in 1998. It's cute that they exchange emails and not IM each other. Yes. Because it's meant to be old fashioned because it's, you know, it's based on an old fashioned movie. It's an old fashioned film. They're letter writing, right? Like it's yes, they are yeah. sending out things and letting each other know what's going on, uh, which is yeah. not how, you know, they're not adding each other on AIM. <laughs> Um, they also get the, I think it's incredibly well shot of the narration self reading the letter as they're writing it, but also sometimes they just talk aloud as they're writing the email, which um, I've been guilty of that. I've definitely said stuff as I'm writing it out as like emphasis. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way in which those two voices are like emphatically different, I think is like really good in telling. It's like just good characterization of that. Maybe miss <laughs> having email pen pals. Did you ever have one? Uh, yeah, long time bunch. ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um. Also, uh, nobody can type. <laughs> Meg Ryan's <laughs> typing in this movie is like her, she's typing with a whole fist for every letter. Bip, 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 bip. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, I've no, I knew people. I've known people who can t- who type like that. It's wild. Wild. Look like uh, ridiculous. It's weird because like. Obviously, a bunch of people learned to type to be like do like um, secretarial jobs, right? Like typing became a sellable skill back, you know, 80 years ago or whatever. Um, But then I feel like there's just been like if you went into that field, you learn the skill. But like ubiquitous typing is a thing that I feel like hit our generation. And now it's kind of gone away as everyone uses phones and tablets. Like no one knows. Do kids learn home row typing anymore? I bet they don't. I don't know typing. I I have really. Well, I, I had a couple. Le- There's like a couple lessons in school, like very few on typing. But I, I learned took typing word by word processing class before our schools got regular computers to learn how to type. 
No, I, I was in the like generation a few years later, like you know, because I'm like what eight years younger than you. Yeah. Um, and so maybe this is also a British thing, but like there was a couple of, of typing lessons very early on, but that's only because I was a computer guy. Um, the expectation was you would just gradually figure out how to type on a computer. Everyone used the computer, therefore you, you didn't need to teach kids oh. to use the computer. Uh, it just was a thing, you know, like, like you just eventually were able to do it. And they, there was enough teaching on computer, uh, especially like in IT class later on, that like the idea of having a specific typing class would not be needed. Everyone just kind of figured out how to type because you're all typing I've, the rest of I've anyway. seen enough people in the modern era struggle to type that I don't think that's true anymore. I yeah, no, I'm saying that like that's that's how I was like, yeah. you know, I, yeah, I, I took two years of keyboarding. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, 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 I'm in reception in 1999. So mm. like... 1999 through 2012 is my entire school life that's my era uh and if you're coming in in like if you're starting in like 2007 uh when the iphone's already there right yeah (laughs) it's a different world because i know i know like you know you see those reports about uh people going into university now don't know how to save a document what what a file system is yeah and you're like damn things change so fast yeah. Wow. Why would you? If you're using Google Docs, it doesn't work like that. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah. The uh, kids don't know how to torrent. <laughs> we literally, torrent. like, uh, specifically, this is like an American and British problem. Kids don't know how to torrent. They come in, they, uh, Canadians also, like, people who live in the, the seat of empire come in and they only have streaming services. They don't know how to fucking torrent anymore. Let me tell you, in Russia, they still know how to fucking torrent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Around the world, people are torrenting shit. Um, but if you live in one of the really wealthy countries that gets all of the streaming services, a lot of people don't know how to torrent anymore. They know how to, like, go to Kiss Anime. I'm, I tell you, going to the fucking weird anime streaming sites is infinitely more dangerous than learning to torrent. <laughs> yes. Uh, absolutely. Um, We've had definitely we've had people we you know we've just explained how torrenting works to multiple people in our community. <laughs> like the technolo- technological knowledge is not being as it's being assumed that it passes down. It does not pass down. You have hey, to my teach sister, people this shit. I have a twin sister. She doesn't know any of this stuff. She just watches yeah. the things. Like there's also just being a normal person. <laughs> like, yes. you know, like oh, that, that's another part but of I it. But I think I think the like expectation of like even understanding enough technology to figure it out is just like not a. I feel mm. like part of this is Google's getting worse, and part of it is just the expectation oh, so like. Bad. Teaching people how to acquire skills online is not a thing that's taught, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if I want to know how to do something, I'll just look it up. And I kind of know how to sift through the information that will try to teach me enough to know what is good information and bad information. That's a skill. That's a skill yeah. you have to teach people so they can it's teach a, themselves things. It's a skill to know to type Reddit onto the end of every fucking search you do because <laughs> yes. you need a human being. <laughs> yes. I don't know. We had a class that like taught us how to use search engines, but it was probably out of date by the time we took it. When I when I had that class, it was Ask Jeeves. So yes, <laughs> yeah. And Alta Vista. I, I used Alta Vista for years because it was better than the Yahoo, right? And I like, remember they would put in Martin Luther King, and they'd take you to Stormfront and be like, "Look, you could have accidentally used a racist website to learn about Martin Luther King." <laughs> and now it's so much different. Now they want to sell you Martin Luther King. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the internet's fucking sucks now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, the movie, the movie was pretty good. Uh, the, the 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 end of this movie is so funny because it's it's such a like on its face on like the plot of the movie. Uh, the stuff at the end of the movie is awful. Like Tom Hanks deciding to concoct like just schemes to put uh to like 
just destroy Meg Ryan's life with anxiety when he could just tell her what's going on from the off. That's yeah. all really these movies funny. are. Like, that's like, there's always a bit in these movies where, like, somebody has the upper hand on the other person, and it always bothers me. Because <laughs> uh, I, I was like, I expect these kind of things, like, oh, there'll be like a grand gesture. And there is, but it's an entirely manufactured one. He's created the scenario that he has to get out of, right? Like, he's playing both sides. Yes. The fucking Emperor Palpatine of this will they, won't they situation. Yeah, <laughs> but, but they're charming, so I don't care. That's yeah, the no, thing. You, yeah, you just gotta yeah, sell this exactly. on the actors. It's true. I'm not here to, like, bash the movie for it. I think Tom Hanks pulls it off very well. Yes. This is it's the just... part that feels the most old-fashioned to me, because this is, like, classic Hollywood like comedy stuff and mm-hmm. it it does rec- rec- like it relies on the actors being able to sell it because if it doesn't work then you then you start like really going like well she should just dump him because he's being evil to her but when it's tom you hanks re- like nah i mean he was being evil to her but it, you know it's tom hanks who cares i mean it's like absolutely the power of actors right because yes. imagine this movie with mark Wahlberg, worst movie in the world <laughs> yeah, oh my god i punch him in the face <laughs> Like then, when Mark Wahlberg's going like, "Oh, I bet, I bet he's like 152." Even, even like someone who does this kind of movie, like if this was like Ben Stiller of this era, doesn't oh, work. No, falls apart. no, 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 no doesn't work right. at all. So right. yeah. It doesn't work at all. Um, the fucking um, Judd Apatow version where it's Seth Rogen doing this, and the movie's about how he's an awful oh, man for doing all oh, this stuff. No, no, thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ben Affleck coming off of Chasing Amy. You know what? That's all right. <laughs> ben Affleck, I love that one because that's the one where the guy does it and it just doesn't work because he's just barking up the wrong tree. Like he has this huge manufactured thing and everyone looks at him and is like, this is the dumbest idea we've ever heard. But not in the like, not in the Judd Apatow, like this is what the genre is about kind of way. It's just this guy is an idiot is the, the Chasing Amy thing. I love the Chasing Amy, the way it all falls apart. I yeah, think it's like too. so good and acknowledges that because like Kevin Smith is the is the is the Ben Affleck character. Yes. Like he knows that he's the guy who said the stupid shit and it's embarrassing and he should be embarrassed. And that's what the movie's about. I think that's why it works. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yes. That's my memory of it. Uh, God. Anyway, do we have anything else? Let's move into questions. No, no, no. We can move on to questions. Um, I still love this movie. Had a great time. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I enjoy watching it. Uh, all right. If you have questions, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. They can be about the movie we're covering. They can be about any movie thing. Um, they can be about our question of the week. Our question of the week this time, of course, was what is your favorite and least favorite romantic comedies? And maybe some why. Um, and we'll get to that as we go through these. Um, Hilver writes in with a another prompt that it could be a question of the week, but we're just going to do it. What film made before 1960 would you like to have been remade in 1999 and who stars in it? Okay, well, I thought about this a lot, and I'm going to say 1948's uh, Portrait of Jenny, which starred Joseph Cotton and Jennifer Jones. What's that movie about? I've never heard of this before. It's about this artist who falls in love with this mysterious girl, and he paints her portrait, and she, like, disappears, and then he, like, spends the rest of the movie looking for her. It's a very, like, ethereal dreamlike it's a great black and white movie um kind of romantic but i think if you remade it in what 1999 yes you'd get george clooney and penelope cruz in those leads and it would be like the most 1999 movie ever (laughs) that's true that's correct (laughs) i don't know who you'd get to direct maybe like a 
Uh, you didn't ask about director. You don't have to do that. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I was thinking about directors, but yeah, no, somebody... If you've got an answer, go ahead, but I didn't, I didn't think of one. Oh, I don't have one. Okay. Jackson. Um, so nine ninety nine was the app. Yes. Yeah, I, I was looking at this and I was thinking like, um, I, I want I want the ridiculous remake of a Shanghai Express, uh, <laughs> which is uh, a movie um about Marlena Dietrich who's like, uh, I forgot her name, but it's like a socialite turned uh like sex worker, but only in like the eyes of um the people there she seems like this like swindler right of shanghai uh running around the like british people there and ruining their lives but she's actually just like a cool you know femme fatale who rules and is sad about things and she's hooking back up with uh her british officer person she was in love with a decade ago uh they like just happen to meet on this train and they are wistful about their lives it's fucking great classic movie uh i was like who who do you get for that and here's what i thought of the problem if i'm too old i don't know the actors from 1999 i'm like my, i went to george clooney for the the guy because he's the right kind of smarmy guy you could also do like hugh grant if you want to actually make him british uh, which is a different <laughs> kind of smarminess much more like stuffy this guy this guy in the movie is a little too cool to be hugh grant he was much more like <laughs> 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 um, I, I, don't, I don't i don't know what actors are. i couldn't like i'm like i have no idea who you can get to like be the 90s millennium teachers in this movie <laughs> Because uh, I don't, I don't remember like who's who's there in 1999. I was six. <laughs> um, how old is Marlene Dietrich in the original? Is she meant to be older? Um, or is she, she just like beautiful hot lady? Beautiful hot lady. She's like in her 30s, I would say. Oh, then you can get like Catherine Zeta-Jones or something. Yeah, sure. There you go. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little on the young side. I don't actually know how old she was in 1999, but. Mm-hmm. Um, mine, I want to point out, I wrote this at, at breakfast and, uh, destiny did not see my answer. And De- De- Jackson also does not see my answer. <laughs> so we all pick George all Clooney. George Clooney. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the thing is, the thing you have to understand is that nineties, George Clooney is the best movie star of the last, uh, I don't know when movie stars were good. It's him and Tom him. Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, George Clooney better than Tom Hanks. Um, <laughs> But like, like I agree, I think for different things, era, they, they can do different things. Um, I agree, but if you just have to make a ruling, Tom Hanks did not make Ocean's Eleven, so George Clooney wins. But these are these are the guys who most emulate classic Hollywood stars. Also, these two, yeah, they're the ones. Yeah, they yeah, have but that like, vibe. There's a reason. There's a reason us three are not saying Brad Pitt, right? Like we, the, yes. the reason we all gravitate to George Clooney. Yes. Yeah. Um. So my answer is also one of my one of my answers for my favorite romantic comedies. I had like a classic and modern answer, and my classic answer uh is uh desk set which is a uh spencer tracy catherine hepburn movie um in which uh catherine hepburn runs the secretarial pool of the company and spencer tracy comes in he's like i've got a new idea how to like automate this whole thing and put everyone out of business and it's like him with his new computers and her with the like all these women are employed knowing how to do this thing so you can't do this and they fight and fall in love one of those classic ones um, and I think remaking that with George Clooney and I, I just pulled Parker Posey cause they're kind of, they're like only like six years apart and she's great in this movie. And I'd love to see her in a role where she's not like a bumbler. I feel like a lot of these movies make her like a histrionic bumbler and I'd rather she be a histrionic, uh, girl boss basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you remake Dust Set. I think it'd be great. Businesses are always getting rid of entire groups of people whose lives depend on a technology that's going out of style. That's so true. <laughs> Um, Hilver's answers, uh, for best and worst best is two weeks notice, which I've never seen. Um, 
just standard rom-com, but I did uh, ask to go see this uh, with, in the cinema. And then worst was my big fat Greek wedding. Uh, we thought this would be a raucous comedy, but I remember, and I remember it being a big deal. It was a huge deal. Yes. Uh, that we bought the DVD instead of renting it. Um, <laughs> and How'd and then go? we're subjected to a big, slow, hyper-specific film about Greek orthodoxy. Uh, that movie is that movie is totally fine. Uh, Hillary sweet. says maybe it's fine, but everyone in my family is disappointed. It is... It is like a super indie film about like, you know, a Greek family and what that looks like. And it just blew up big enough that normal people would have heard about it and then gone in and not realized that that's what it was. Oh, uh, I thought I, remember that I didn't know. I know yeah. it have like better reputation as being this massive thing. I thought it was much more like uh, we, we're going to a Greek wedding and like this big movie. It's like a weird bit of exoticism we're saying to the people, right? No, I didn't realize no, no, no. It was like, no, it was like no, an indie no, film no. about like this is this is like what Greek American life is like. Um, yeah, I didn't realize it went away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's made by a Greek American person. Like, yeah, no, it's it's one of those. And there was a sequel. Maybe two. Yeah. The sequel probably blows up and is bad in this way, but like the original film is definitely coming out of like in the '90s, indie cinema could be a lot of things and still get put out in theaters. Um, mm-hmm. I liked uh, it. I remember. Loving I, yeah, it. I haven't seen it a long time, but I remember yeah. finding it very charming. Yeah. There was a lot of discourse around it at the time because, like, it's like, oh, she's not like an anorexic thin white girl uh, on the screen, sort of stuff, because it was the '90s and every. What, <laughs> what are you fucking talking about? <laughs> The main girl in my big fat Greek wedding. I'm looking at the poster. She's not like anorexic, but you're saying this was like a different body type in the 90s. She's just like a whole woman on a movie. Yes. She just had like a different face. Than yes. Like a, like a. Yeah. She, there's absolutely discourse of like, she's not real thin. She, you know, she looks like a normal human. Yeah. She's not like conventionally. Uh, you know. You have to everyone in the night, like, you know, is the 90s. Like, fucking, do you see Meg Ryan in this movie? She's like real thin and she's like a normal woman. In the yeah. com- like depiction I guess of 90s you're cinema, right. yeah. she's just ho- Hollywood. You do not watch in enough the- '90s Hollywood cinema. To- <laughs> yeah, clearly, because it would ruin my brain. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad time. It's yeah, like no, she's I got noticed. a big nose and she's got curly hair and she's like very visibly non-like Hollywood, like white girl, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a whole to do about it. <laughs> Man, the '90s. Oh, two weeks notice is about the environmental lawyer who works for a billionaire? Okay. okay. It's Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant. Oh, I bet that's charming. I I remember when this came out, because it was 2002, but I, mm-hmm. it's a movie I would have avoided like the plague. Yeah. And I love Sandra Bullock. <laughs> um, Rick writes in, which Reptory screenings film would you sir insert Benoit Blanc into? Hmm. Uh, Top Cappy, obviously. With a bullet. <laughs> He's perfect. I mean, He's he basically is in that, that movie. <laughs> right, yeah. It's kind of cheating. There's already a Benoit Blanc in that movie. There's a ridiculous, kind of offensive European uh, police guy. That's true, but he's not as funny as Benoit Blanc. That's true. Um, he's not as funny as I have any Benoit other Blanc. good answers then, I guess. Um, I have a really funny answer. Yeah, sure. Hit me. Uh, so you know his whole thing is like trying to fix all the problems with poor women. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if uh, the he was like they ran into him in Morven Carla? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be beautiful. Holy shit! God, that's a really good answer. That is a really good answer. Well, like they were on that, that shitty fucking holiday, and they were at the Bemblebar. <laughs> that's really funny. 
I don't no, really that's have a good one. Movie. So good job. I yeah, I think you've I think you've won this one. I don't have nothing. Um We've got uh an email from Medea, because when I put out the thing, um I specifically said you could write in about like online dating or whatever. And so uh, Medea wrote in specifically about uh, just wanted people to know that online dating can work. Long distance relationships can work. You just got to like work hard at it. Please do not give up on them, which is not really a function of this movie because they all live in New York. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it's uh, it's good to remember in this modern age. They can work. I know a lot of people are in like very long distance relationships. Uh, yeah. And it's always weird. It seems I've, hard. I've been in one. It's hard. Yeah. Um, also, Medea writes in, for the longest time, I confused You've Got Mail with 2002 horror movie Fear.com. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Um, Fear.com is a fucking terrible movie, for the record. I've never seen it. Is Tom Hanks in that? <laughs> um, okay. Um, shit. Uh, oh, this is. I did not put in who this was. Um, let me go pull up the email because I sent the images to everybody. Um, Jack, can you read the one under that? Well, like pull up this uh, one while you while you while you vamp. Which one? Oh, yes, yeah, so the, the, the one the, under the two parter that I don't know the name of. The right two parter. Uh, so yes, yes, yes. Okay, so that is uh, from Grace. Yeah. Uh, hi there, new listener. Love all the shows on network. Thank you very much. Uh, Looking back at this movie after the intervening after all the intervening years of capitalism it seems completely ridiculous. These two people would fall in love. It's like the local independent grocer falling in love with the regional Walmart exec. Uh, <laughs> the great chemistry between our two leads makes it easy to get swept in the swept away in this case. Uh, is it possible for love to overcome the power of late stage capitalism? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's Meg Ryan in this movie is going to the same parties as him. Uh, yes. So yes, I think it happens like in extreme ways that you wouldn't expect. People are weird. Every week on Twitter, there is a new example of this happening and everyone posting about it. <laughs> yeah. Look I, look, I might be a die-in-the-wool communist, but if a millionaire wants to roll up and wife me up, I'm going to take it. In a <laughs> I'll have to I be like, still... well, um, uh, the podcast is over, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to wifed up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm still hustling. The, the millionaire his wife dropped in. <laughs> left you behind. <laughs> get someone else to do Gundam. I'm out of here. Peace. God, if you get wiped up by a millionaire and you're still watching Gundam, rethink your life oh. choices. Yeah, I will. Don't worry. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> God. Uh, all right. So this email is from Max. Uh, from the burst, first, the best and worst prompts. Uh, first, uh, my favorite is probably Pauline at the Beach, uh, which is a Romer film. Uh, it's apparently a sex farce about pointless summer flings. Um, and even though you know they're stupid, you just do them anyway. I haven't seen this one. Um, okay. Other highlights are Dunkle Breaking My Heart, uh, which is a rich people uh, love triangle uh, that torments them all, which is good. Down with Love, um, which is, you know, a 2000s movie um, about 60s rom-coms, apparently. Um, and then uh, Trust by Hal Hartley. Uh, which is the perfect indie rom-com for artsy teenagers, which sounds like something Destiny would have watched if she didn't. Yeah, I was an artsy romance. teenager, but I yeah. hated romantic comedies that uh, weren't gay. Uh, have you seen Down with Love? I've not seen Down no, with Love. No, I've not seen Down with it's, Love. It's like the Doris Day, Tony Randall type yeah. stuff. Yeah. 
I'm not even I'm not that well watched on this this type of sixties rom com either is the thing. So I am if Natalie Wood or Marilyn Monroe is in them, but yeah. <laughs> that's about it. Um, and then worst, uh mine's probably the Anacrona vehicle Anna. Uh charming musical, great Serge Gainsborough pen numbers, but runs out of steam really early. Just a waste of time. Okay. Um then we've got one. Um, we got one that just came in um, from Maverick uh, that's all about when Harry met Sally for favorite rom-com. Sucker for movie shot in New York. You should watch You've Got Mail. Uh, and like the chemistry between Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan um, and their contrast to Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher's like B couple that's also in the movie. Um, and uh, my thing with Harry met Sally is I don't like the whole like. One, I think Billy Crystal's not as charming as Tom Hanks is in these other noir from movies. And also, I just don't like the, like, movie's suppositions. Like, his whole thing is like, oh, many women can't be friends because it's always going to turn into romance shit. I'm like, in the movies, if you're, like, irresponsible, I guess, stop it. Knock it off. <laughs> I feel like it's a toxic idea that's in- infected culture. Um, The movie is charming, though. That's true. Um. If you were t- tasked to make one of these holiday theme rom-coms like Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, Mother's Day, uh, that other, um, what's, the, it's not listed. What's the Christmas one? Why can't I think of it? Love Actually. Yes. Which holiday that hasn't already been used would you lean on? They've all been used. What do you want from me? Has there been a Halloween one? Make... I don't think there's been a Halloween rom-com. It's absolutely been a Halloween rom-com. Are you kidding me? Halloween rom-com. I don't know. I just, I just, one hundred percent know for a fact that this has to exist. I feel like it doesn't. <laughs> okay, maybe it doesn't. We have holiday <laughs> and when we first met, which are the two things I googled but that came up when I said Halloween rom com. How has this not happened? Uh, I would do a Black History Month <laughs> uh, movie with like fucking oh Tay Diggs. And uh, Nia Long, and it would just be the blackest movie, and they meet at a protest, uh, and like it, it would just be cute, just cute as hell. Um, and it would have an all R and B soundtrack, but it would all be R and B songs from the nineties, and it would, and it would just be called February. <laughs> this is outrageous. <laughs> I'd watch this. I'd like it a lot, probably. It does sound like an M movie. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch any of these after Love Actually. I watched Love Actually. I, you know, I, I watched it young that. enough that I kind of liked Love Actually. Um, I understand all of its problems. Uh, you got a bunch of actors in there, though. You know, so like when movies have a bunch of actors in them and they're all doing pretty good work, you know, it's hard to it's hard to hate a movie like that. Well, I was gonna say for my like remake, I almost picked Dinner at Eight, but I didn't want to cast it. But like, I love the idea of like getting a bunch of actors together, like just mm-hmm. letting them do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Tron then writes in with our final question. We've gotten through most of these, but um, have any of you ever gone on a date with someone you met online? I met Destiny online. Yeah, I met Emma. We lived online. together. Yep. yep. Uh, we dated for eight years. Yeah. Uh, I've I've dated lots of people I've met online, and it's it's been pretty like hit and miss, but yeah. nothing nothing. Dating's hit and miss. Yeah, no, yes. you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It, <laughs> Nothing to do with people being online. Dating is a hit and miss bad experience often. Yes. Um, what shop or small business got eaten up by a big corporation do you miss the most? I miss I, I miss indie bookstores. Like there were There's so only many... one left in town. There was one? 
I really like that was in like Papillion or Bellevue. Um, no, it means nothing to people who don't live here. Uh, it just was like, it was like, it was like the fancy, it was like the like big leather chairs and you get like nice tea version of an indie bookstore. So I loved it. I love a big pretentious place. Um, we had uh, reading grounds, which was in Dundee, and it was kind of gay, and they had poetry readings, and like community, they hosted community events, and they had a coffee shop inside of it, and it was cozy, and oh yeah, no, I miss I miss places like that, like the books. I miss the bookstores. Um, it didn't get eaten up by a big corporation, but there was a diner in town, like a really divey small diner that I loved i spent my early 20s staying up till like crack of dawn in that diner because they were open all night and you just get like the cab drivers come in to like get lunch on their shift um just the most colorful fucking place in the world it's gone now it's uh but nothing took it over it's not like they got edged out that you know the owner just got old and went out like stopped working um one of those i miss the old uh, dundee theater yeah it was right across from the theater where also the same thing happened uh and they got bought out by like our it's not it's not like a big business but it's like our non-profit in like art cinema in omaha that's all got a bunch of ties alexander paints so and now it kind of sucks bad feelings about it now um but um you know uh, i saw a lot of movies that i adore there on midnight and then i go across the street uh to the diner it's literally across the street from each other. It had like shitty seats and like oh, the it shittiest was seats. midnight I movies had, and I had like a seat that was like my seat and it was just like it was like a like a quarter of it was just taped. But I yeah, like it was like it was like row three right in the middle, right where I want, you know? Oh uh, yeah. Um, Good times. <laughs> I miss it. I do. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Jackson? Uh I don't have as many specifics as as uh you because I like first of all, a lot of the places I hang out with um over in London, yeah. Uh, so like, it's like, oh, I've it's, I've moved away, and that's the thing I miss. And also, most of the like cool ones were already dead by the time. I, like, you know, I'm I'm 16 in 2010, right? So when I'm going to cool places, everything, a lot of the changing of the guards already happened. Uh, and like the shops I was hanging out in were like game stores, and that died because video games died, not because of yeah. you know. Oh God, there was a really cool indie game store in town that went under. Um, they didn't get bought out. They just, it's a hard market. Um, they had great stuff. I bought, I found a Japanese copy of Rhythm Tengoku for the GBA there that I bought. Um, right. In box, right? Like, it's like, what, what is this doing here? <laughs> yeah. Like, I would used, used to go around games, but like, the thing that got rid of them was they stopped releasing video games. Like, the, there yes. was nothing to do with, uh, I mean, there was also the other things happening, but that, that was the big, the big killer, uh, was that they don't make video games or sell them anymore. Um, I guess you could say, like, there was arcades when the arcades in london like in the trocadero went i was real sad i went in like that went in 2010 i went up into london and it was just closed and never opened again i looked down this was the big this was the big arcade in london i was gonna go guys fuck off yeah um i know the now oh man our arcade too. totally closed and it was a bummer i mean yeah. it had gone downhill because it like changed ownership and they weren't taking care of all the like bimani and other rhythm game machines which is the whole reason to go and they're all dispersed back to the private collections they were in originally um yeah. sucks sucks yeah i know at this point like if i was in london which i'm not but like i all the arcades probably still um you can go to barcades right you can go to upmarket fucking annoying places and oh yeah there, there are arcades is. in town but they don't have the machines i want and they're all for like college kids who want to drink and i'm like i'm not here for any of that right the Trocadero was just like, I mean, it was, I was going in like the late 2000s to the start of the 2010s. So it was just like the big 90s place to hang out that was still somehow around in Piccadilly Circus. The massive trampolines in the basement, stuff like that. Yes. Um, yeah, damn. All that's gone now. 
Um, Tron also asks, uh, do you have any fond memories of hanging around in bookstores or libraries? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, for sure. I was never like a hang around and read manga. I was like, that's slightly too young for me. Um, in my, uh, weeddom, you still see kids, you go to the Barnes and Noble, there's kids hanging out in the manga aisles, just reading the books. They don't have money for buy them. They'll just read them there. I, yeah, I was doing that all the way up to 2020. I was never that person. I never did that. I um, never did that, but I do have fond memories of like, one time I was reading Rumi out loud to a girl and got shushed at the, at the borders. <laughs> um, my thing, while I have a lot of affection for like, spending hours in the borders finding some books blah 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 um like watching this movie i was like oh i'd love to go to a bookstore and i'm like wait a second i could just download anything i won't put on my fucking i don't want i don't want to own books um i find them obnoxious i don't have the space um i'd rather just read them digitally for the most part um and so it's just weird because like i just don't find the joy in the like browsing experience the way i used to and it sucks because i used to love it a lot no that's i'm still all about it and i love a physical book I mean, this and also is... all that's left is Barnes and Noble, which is not. Fl- I don't like going to Barnes and Noble. No, but there's like little ones downtown, and yeah. If I, I'm not a big library person anymore, and I kind of miss that. But like, I feel like the selection is not great. Um, kind of just depends on like where we are, not Omaha. But yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. If I lived in Omaha proper, I'd probably use the library more. Mm-hmm. But that's all. You're gonna say something, Jackson? I'd say like that's like on some level the thing, right? It's like I want to go to these places because I remember hanging out there. But the thing I actually want is like a place to hang out where I'm not being made to buy stuff. <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> which just doesn't exist. Yep. Um, and then our funny email, Adam writes in, uh, <laughs> which uh, for Evan Dusty, either you find creative uses for the AOL trial CDs of your household received through the '90s. No, we just threw this shit out. No. I had AOL for real at that point. What you do is you take the disc, put it in the microwave for like ten seconds, and then nope. it like it. What it that's, like? That's cracked. really bad for your microwave. It cr- would crack and fizzle and like make like cool sparks. Yes, but it's really bad for your microwave. Oh yeah, I know, but we did that all the time. I did not do that. <laughs> and then uh, for Jackson, the UK have anything similar to the AOL trusty phenomenon? You were like, we had AOL. <laughs> I. I- bought I mean, they brought home my dad brought home an aol cd and then we had aol we bought it off the cd i don't know at some point i remember when it upgraded from like 7.0 to like 9.0 and all the design of all the things changes my first incidents of like the internet is different now why are all the fucking buttons in a different place and they have different ui designs i don't like it uh and that really set the standard for the rest next 25 years of my life um <laughs> But yes, I had AOL up until like 2006, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty late. I remember being on AOL, like on dial-up, downloading a trailer of Spider-Man 2 that took me like two hours to get. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Those were the days. I remember the transition from like streaming a bad Windows media player trailer to Apple trailers happening, like... That mm-hmm. revolutionized how I inter- engaged the internet and cinema. There was a whole couple year stretch where I would just go to Apple trailers and watch all every trailer. Yeah, I, I would download some real garbage and watch it on real player. I wasn't um, big for watching trailers, but oh, was I on like different movie forums? Oh my god, I was all over forums. Yeah, I was not on forums. I found ain't it cool news is what I found. <laughs> yeah, I, was I was on their bit- forum. I was a little younger, so I was just, like, finding stuff online. It wasn't until, like, 
game facts really that I started like engaging with forums. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be when I was like nine. So there's a long period on the internet where I'm like just like finding games and things to do. I wasn't really engaging with the like connecting to people part uh, until mm. I was a little yeah. older. I went I went from Anical News to like slash film to like film tumblr in the like late aughts, basically. I remember um, that's, a, having, that's a progression. I had a very intense but very brief flirtation with a South American lad uh, that I met on a Radiohead forum. Cartoon. You're a cartoon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fan website called greenplastic.com and they had this really great forum and I got so many great music recommendations from that forum. They had a big impact on my musical taste as a young person mm-hmm. uh, all right i guess that leaves us our question of the week which is favorite least favorite rom- rom-coms and why do you want to do favorites first or least favorite i figured everyone would answer individually oh okay and then talk about what you know the why kind of informs what you like and don't like about rom-coms i feel like okay mm-hmm. i can go first if you want sure I don't go for mind. it so I, I gave a classic and modern answer for both these. Modern and a little weirdly defined. But um, uh, classic already said I was going to say desk set. Uh, I like all of the Spencer, uh, Spencer, Catherine Hepburn movies. Um, I think they're so much better than like the Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn movies. Like those are her two main like opposite leads. And I just think Spencer Tracy's more interesting. And I think they have better chemistry. Um, and I'm a huge fan of all of their work. Like, uh, yeah, any of the, any of the, they made a bunch of movies together. They're all really good. Um, my modern one, uh, really obvious is Clueless. Fucking love Clueless. One of my favorite movies ever made. Um, that's a good choice. Yeah. Um, Clueless is a lot of things, but a romantic comedy is one of them. So I'm going to say that counts. Uh, both those, uh, are movies about people who don't like each other very much, who then fall in love. My favorite thing. I'm, I'm always here for, uh, we started as enemies, uh, paths. I love it. It's electric. Clueless is weird, though, because it's her stepbrother. Yes. Ex-stepbrother. Ex yes. It's a little weird. But it's a little it's, weird. It's yeah. still cute. I don't know. It works. I don't know. Paul Rudd. It works. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then my least favorite, <laughs> I was scrolling through Letterboxd and I just found a bunch of movies I don't like. My classic one is The Seven Year Itch. Oh, you don't like it? No. Uh, I saw it a long time ago. And I remember just being like kind of sleazy and like really regressive i just remember it being about like just the the function of it being about like a guy who can't help but step out because that's just what guys do um mm. but in like a very like particular like what can you do about it this is just the problem way like, i found it very objectionable to me um, okay I, I and then my my modern yeah. one is uh there's something about mary which i fucking hated when i saw it i haven't seen it in some time to be fair i don't know um, if i've ever seen it I think Ben Stiller is just not a good romantic lead guy. Um, he just doesn't have a vibe that I get along with. It's mostly about how he kind of sucks and he, him and a bunch of other guys are trying to uh, get with Cameron Diaz. Who's also someone who I don't think has like a ton of chemistry on screen as like a per as like an actress. Um, and it's just one of those like, but I'm the nicest guy of these four suitors. Why isn't she picking me kind of movies, which I fucking hate. Be an asshole. I like movies about assholes. I hate movies about nice guys moping about how nice they are. Sucks. Fair. I can go next. Yeah. 
My favoriteest romantic comedy, You're All Spared. I almost picked Annie Hall. <laughs> only you do because... like Annie Hall. Like, this is the thing is we all, we both grew, we we met because there were people who liked Woody Allen, you know, a yep. long time ago. Things yep. happened. Long time ago, things happened. And that movie is really great, except Woody Allen's terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. But my actual favorite romantic comedy, uh, and I don't know why it took me so long to think of this, it's Harold and Maude. Oh, Maud's really good. 1971, Hal Ashby. Like, you can't, it, it's, it's, it's perfect. It's, it's not a, like, I like it because it's a little off kilter. It has, like, this sort of, it doesn't feel like other movies of that era. The romance is obviously a weird romance um, of two people that have no business being together, and yet they work. Um, for those of you who don't know what Harold and Maude is about, it's about a 20 something year old named Harold who, meets an 80-year-old woman named Maud, and she's very quirky. She was the OG Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Mm, <laughs> that's not that's true. true. That's not true. I'm just joking. Uh, and uh, uh, it kind of goes from there. It's, and it's about everybody kind of reacting to their love. And it's, But also, it's, like, the reason they get together is because they're both death-obsessed, and that's the part I'm like, yep, I agree with that. I yeah, 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 yeah. They meet at a funeral because Harold goes to funerals for fun, and so does Maud. Uh, for different reasons, wildly different reasons. Uh, and it's got this Cat Stevens soundtrack that I just bought on vinyl. Oh, chef's kiss. Uh, my least favorite, I'm kind of cheating because it's a movie that I don't like it very much and it's very deeply stupid. But if it was on, I would watch it every single time. Uh, <laughs> it is a very little scene. Blake Edwards movie from 1991 called Switch. And uh, it is about this shitty, shitty man who's like a total womanizer. Uh, I think his name's like Stephen Brooks or something. And he dies and God's like, I'll make a deal with you. If you can, well, I'll send it back. Or is it, it's the God and the devil are having a bet or something. So God's like, I'll, we'll send you back, but you have to fall in, like, you have to get a woman to like actually love you. And... The twist is the devil is like, well, if we send him back, we can't send him back as a man. We got to send him back as a woman. So (laughs) he gets sent back as Ellen Barkin, who is just really good at at playing like the scuzzy man in in this woman's body. But it's full of like early 90s, which is just late 80s gender politics. So it's kind of gross. There's a scene where he... Obviously is getting hit on by Lorraine Bracco, who uh, plays like this lesbian woman, but he's so homophobic as a man that he can't bring himself to sleep with her as a woman. Uh, it's really, really fucking stupid. And do you want to know the ending? You know, sure. What? I'm never gonna watch this shit. This sounds terrible. It's awful. Uh, so the way he gets a woman to fall in love with him so he can go to heaven is he has a baby girl. He gets he and Jimmy Schmitz fall in love. Jimmy uh, Smith's, oh my god. <laughs> the reveals being dropped in this fucking summary. Jimmy Schmitz plays his best friend when he was male. Uh, and when he's reincarnated as Ellen Barkin, he he pretends there's a lot. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot of uh, emotions yeah, yeah. happening here. And that's why I say it's bad, because it's just got a lot too much going on, and it's, like, shitty. Um, so anyway, he pretends that he's the dead guy's sister. Uh, as Ellen Barkin, and they fall in love. So she has a baby with Jimmy Schmitz, and when the baby is born, the baby loves him with a pure heart, and therefore he can go to heaven. 
great. It's stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> and then it has like the schmulty pop song at the end. And I just, I don't understand who thought this was a good idea. But Ellen Barkin isn't like, she looks so good in this movie. She is like, I think that's like part of it. Like I'm thirsty for Ellen Barkin in this movie. Uh, and she's just really good in it. She kind of sells the whole thing. But it's a shit movie. <laughs> Jackson. Uh, yes, hello. Uh, so I was looking looking at a, at a list of these uh, as I was doing them and making my notes. Um, the thing that was difficult was uh, I disagreed with some of the things that counted as romantic comedies. I went to a list like, here's the romantic comedies. Like, let's see what you've watched in Letterboxd. I was like, I know my, my favorite movies are here, but I don't know if I would call young adult romantic comedy. <laughs> yeah, I almost put it on my favorites. Not- um, I, I'm willing. If you want to claim it as one, you're willing. To, you're I mean, like, of doing if it, it is, it is. The, I mean, I'm mentioning it, right? Like, you know, yeah. a bit of ambiguity. But if, if it is, that's that's one of them. Because yeah. that's also a movie about assholes going through the structure of falling in love, but that's not actually what's happening, other than in a cinematic level and in Patton Oswalt's head. Um, yes. Man, you want to talk? That is one of my favorite horrible characters. I would love to be friends with is Charlie uh, oh, <laughs> Theron, a young adult. Yes, absolutely. 100%. I couldn't be her friend, but I love that movie. I love that I movie. Could be, I could be her friend. We're, we're very alike. And <laughs> not in, it reminds me of myself at a certain age. <laughs> uh, gosh, she's, she's such a fuck up. It's amazing. Yes. <laughs> so it's beautiful. Uh, uh, but yeah, that, that's at the top then, I, I guess. Um, I guess at the bottom would be something really fucking terrible like Silver Lines Playbook, which is a terrible movie written by an author. I've never person. seen that. Well, great news, you never have to. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> I was put um, once on my list, but I'm like, that's not really a comedy. That's just a romance. But it does suck. And it's a musical. Yeah, that's fine. Saturday Night Fever's on this list. Stopped. What? What? Saturday Night Fever's on this list of rom-coms. And I don't... Th- that's not even really a comedy. That's just a it's not romantic a drama. That's just, that's that's just a yeah, romantic drama. Weird choice. Um... Uh, yeah. This, this uh, collection of rom-coms, I do not necessarily agree with the definitions. Mm-hmm. Um, but... There you go. Those are my picks. Yeah. Movies. Uh, all right. If you'd like to send an email, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, next time, Jackson, what are we doing? What's our question? Oh, shit. Fuck. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we are doing uh, <laughs> a, <laughs> a Man for All Seasons. Oh, shit. Oh, I've seen I've never that. Seen this. I've never seen uh, this. The uh, 60s movie about what's-his-face from history. It's the Thomas More. Thomas, yes, that's him. Uh, so I was like, the, yeah. the, the guy from the church. From, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I watched that uh, in school. Yeah, uh, my question is, um, uh, I guess, because I need an exact wording for Twitter, it would be uh, your uh, favorite and least favorite like movies about historical figures. But more broadly, conversationally, I want to like, where? what's the line? Where's the year where a movie stops being about a historical figure and starts to become a biopic where 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 is that where does that switch like is amadeus mm. biopic no it's not that'd be stupid where, but at a some biopic? point i love bi- a biopic biopic, <laughs> bi- biopic. whatever I, I people say biopic don't they uh no it's no. Bio- i used to say biopic and then i it's biopic it's short okay, for sure. i know what it's short for i'm not a moron <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i guess i'm saying like why would you pronounce it biopic if it's never mind I don't care. <laughs> anyway. Is the song from, uh, from uh, what's Johnny English in this movie? No. Oh, well, then why are you even watching it? <laughs> it's from the 60s. Robbie Williams wrote that song in 2003. <laughs> oh, is that for Johnny English? Did you think it was a song, like a classic rock song? 
I mean, I don't know. It could have been a British song. British make all sorts of weird music. It's a parodied Bond opening. They just had Robbie Williams do it. I thought it was... I, if you told me it was a real, like, fake Bond movie from the uh, opening from the 60s when Bond was popular, I would have believed you. Do you listen to the lyrics of Man for All Seasons? No, not really. Not in a long time. Okay, well, yeah, it's a very silly song. Okay. It's not going to be uh, anyway, yes, movie. I, so yes, I won't talk about, like, historical figure movies, but I, I, don't, I don't know where the line... I think it's, like... My gut says it's after like the thirties when the mm-hmm. but I, I there might be a shifting thing based on like how much further you go from time through time right yeah. uh, but I don't know I don't know what what a biopic is really so your question is specifically what's where's the your personal line between biopic and historical film I thought it was favorite and least favorite biopic. favorite movies about his, uh, historical figures oh, is, okay. the, is what you should put on Twitter when asking people okay. randomly but for anyone listening it is also about the. Uh, uh, like line between where a movie stops being about a historical figure and starts being a, a biopic in your eyes. Okay. Um, because when you get to like recent history, I do think that changes. Hmm. I think I'm, I think I'm torn on that, but we'll talk about it next time. Yeah. I'll I don't have a good answer. answer. We're not going to find one. I'm just interested. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that'll be it. Uh, Destiny plugs. At Fridge Buzz now on most social media platforms. And my other podcast, Battling Girls, oh, we're finally coming back from the accidental hiatus we went on. Uh, <laughs> we're at abnormalmapping.com slash Girls. Jackson. Uh, I'm at Headfuls Off on Twitter.com and co-host. And you can find the podcast that me and I'm do at abnormalmapping.com. whole bunch of cool podcasts there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. You can support all of our podcasts at patreon.com slash normal mapping. For $5 a month, you get blockbusters, like I said earlier. Next month, we are having a big episode where we watch fucking Titanic. Um, and we're going to have uh, Autumn, Neve, and Molly on. Um, Jackson, Autumn, and Molly have never seen Titanic, so that'll be really fun. Um, yeah, it'll be great. That is mind blowing to me. I saw that movie in the theater like the week it came out, and then I saw Jackson it again. Jackson was a with... toddler. I know, I know. It's just weird. It's just weird. Jackson was oh, so five. Yeah. Five. I was You're... five years old. You I was drowning on a beach in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I have nothing more to add to that. So until next time, movies now more than ever. Don't expect to like him. <laughs>